You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I also hope that your, that your sanity levels are remaining just above water because I know this team is pushing it with me after last week's defeat to the Steelers 20-23. to 23. Um, it, It's it's coming up to the halfway point of this season and I'm just emotionally drained and done with this season already. Um, but I hope we're all sticking in there um, because it, I know it is tough at the minute. Um, but as always, I've got my right-hand man with me to to help share the pain of of, a, of another Seahawks loss, and that is Pez. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, good. I'm not not that stressed, you know, because I think un- unless you're a diehard or you're at uni or you don't work mm. like the day after or you just like hardcore and stay up, I feel like these last two losses. My, my blood pressure is all right because, you know, I've not been watching them. So right. I've kind of seen the score. I've been like, okay, watch the highlights. Let's try and see what happened. Yeah. And when when we lose and it's like that, that's perfectly fine. When you have to sit and watch that Titans game, mm. then, yeah, our yeah, chat was going off like yeah, crazy every 10 seconds. So... I can handle these types of losses without getting too over the top. So you might get a bit more of a mellowed anger from me. Oh, good. That'll make a nice little change. Like I say, this is, this is the positive <laughs> pez. If anything, this season is bringing out positive pez, and I like it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start a little bit with, I mean, we'll briefly skim over people that we think have come out with a game from any sort of credit. Because, like I say, in my opinion, other than... Other than DJ Reed, Trey Brown, and Alex Collins and um, Gerald Everett, I'm I'm struggling past those guys in terms of anyone that I think warrants a mention. Um, I'll, I'll put on record that I don't think Geno Smith was completely to blame for the loss, but I don't think he warrants a mention for him doing well or anything. Um, I thought we he did okay. We, we won't get into Geno Smith. No, we'll, we'll we'll try and we'll try and refrain from uh, from him, but. I know you wanted to, you know, off air you were talking a little bit about how impressed you've been with with Alex Collins. I'll uh, I'll let you sing his praises for a little bit if you want. Um, Alex Collins, he had a really good game. It was really good to see. But um, I was more singing the praises of DJ Dallas, right? Not Alex Collins. But one thing, Alex Collins showed good grit. Good running, got over 100 yards, everything you'd like to see. Mm. But he had a full workload on his shoulders and a really tough matchup, and he came out of it banged up. This is the yeah. biggest problem with him. This is the biggest problem in his like with his career, and yeah. um, it's a bit mm, like it, it's a bit worrying. It's like the first proper mm. game where he's had it all on his shoulders. And he came out of it banged up. Like, mm. how long is he going to last? And then you're looking at Travis Homer, and we've had Michaela on, and she's very opinionated on Travis Homer. He he did he made some really good plays, and you mm-hmm. commented off it. Was was it because the Steelers' defense was that shit that they made him look good, or did he just have some good runs? Like, because yeah. he does have that aggressive. As Michaela put it, because he can't find a gap, he's got to run harder than people, or yeah. else he gets nowhere. Yeah. But kind of like swerving Alex Collins into the running back room, mm. DJ Dallas for me in, in this game, he showed really good. I think he showed that he improved from last year. Because yeah. when it was all put on his shoulders last year, I think it was all a bit too much. He's running into his own guys, he couldn't find a gap. He like he he wasn't good going direct. Like mm. I've always sung his praises that you get him out on the sideline and he's so elusive down the edges, like he just yeah. he's just whippy in and out. Mm-hmm. But what we saw in this game was we saw some really good like 
burst straight down the middle, yeah. breaking through his first tackle, because that was another criticism. He couldn't break his first tackle a lot last year. Mm. But this this game, he was just... I've never never seen a guy so happy before. Like, the guy's always smiling. He just loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. It's hit. He's laughing his head off. Yeah. And for me, I love that kind of player. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was happy, like, to see it because I'm a big fan of his. Mm. Coming out of college, um, I think they could utilise him so well. Like I mm. said it in a previous podcast, they could utilise him in them jet suites. He used to be a wide receiver. He's got running back wide receiver. He's got really good hands. Mm. And like I was saying to you off air, like I had to bring up the play when he, he just ran into the open, a quick dump off by Geno Smith before he got absolutely smashed for the 15th time in the game. <laughs> and he literally scooped it up in one hand while spinning round to run downfield. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I've not heard, I've not seen anyone talk about that play. Yeah. Now, was it just the angle I saw it on in the highlights or? Because it was impressive. Oh, it was impressive, yeah. And he and, and he offers that pass catching ability out of the backfield, which I don't think, other than possibly DJ Dallas and maybe Travis Homer, I don't think we really have. So you know, if he can stay healthy and everything like that, like say he does offer that that pass catching ability out out, out of the uh, out of the passing game. Um, but like I say, if, I, go on. I, I just think it's uh, Alex Collins was really good and like. For the bit part last year and then this year, mm. he's shown really good, but he's also shown that he's um, he's also shown the durability problems. He yeah. needs a solid number two behind him mm. to be able to take some of that load. Now, apparently, Rashad Penny's coming back for the Saints game. Yeah, um, he'll only be back for a week, and then he's gone. Not even a, not even one quarter. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but I honestly believe that DJ Dallas could be the unsung hero in this backfield. Mm. Um, but no one's talking about. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like saying he's like world, like world class. Yeah, there's a lot he still needs to improve on. But he's only young, mm. and from year one to year two. For me personally, in this game, he's shown the improvements what I thought last year. Mm. I need to see that move up. And like I stated in our podcast before the season, I think he should be ahead of uh, Travis Holmer. Yeah. I think he should be ahead of Travis Holmer in the depth chart at running back. Yeah, because, definitely. like we said, he, he has so much more in his arsenal. Like, he's a, he's a pass-catching running back. Mm. And especially with Geno Smith. Geno Smith's going to need that. Now, don't get me wrong. He fucked up on that. Um, TJ Watt yeah. smoked Geno Smith. And DJ Dallas, he just kind of cut out too early. Mm. He didn't read the block and kind of like just ran past TJ Watt as he yeah. just got all that space what he created. So that's on him. Yeah. But like I said, he's not perfect. He does have things. And he's a small guy. The, TJ Watt probably would have just smoked him, but like yeah. that's where Travis Homer, that's where Trevor Travis Homer is good. Travis Homer would have stayed in there mm. and would have roughed him up a little bit enough to slow him down anyway. Yeah. So Yeah. But, I mean, for me, that does it for the guys that come out <laughs> come out of it with any positives. I like I'm like I say, Trey Brown, his first performance I thought did all right, made that nice little tackle on that, you know, little uh, stuff that play up, which I thought was good, really good. Um Do you know if if we're good, if we're gonna keep on the positives, um before we get on the negatives, I thought we'd do the negatives and then the positives, but right. I know you're very, very irate, so we'll do the positives and then we can bit. swing on to the negatives. <laughs> It was a loss, so we'll finish with a doom yeah. and gloom. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trey Brown. Uh, it's interesting because I only watched the 40-minute highlights on Game Pass. Mm. Um, and they didn't show everything he did. Mm. Like, he, he, he did that um, third down stop. Yeah. Essentially what helped us out. Mm. But the camera I got, it didn't show the wide camera you probably got watching live, like where he was in the field to 
recognise and the speed he got to Claypool to yeah. shut him down. And people need to people need to realise he's five ten, mm-hmm. and Claypool's a monster. Mm-hmm. Claypool is a monster. Mm-hmm. Like people might not realise it, but he is a big guy, and mm-hmm. to basically just stop him dead, yeah, in his spot and take him down, like. I mean, for him to come off IR, start against and and line up against Chase Claypool, who is turning into one of the better receivers in the NFL, to just be thrown in there in in place of the injured Sidney Jones, just to go and deal with Chase Claypool in your NFL debut after an injury that's kept him out for him to... He didn't give up anything, not that I'm aware of. He didn't give up anything, no busted coverages, no big plays. And they made that third down stop and he showed that speed, showed that awareness that, you know, the the, he looks like a little... Like say similar to DJ Reed, he's just got that. He doesn't have the size, but he's got that speed and the, the tackling. And if if like say it, it's only a little glimpse of what we've seen from him, but you know from what we have seen, if he can stay healthy and stuff like that, if if Sydney Jones is going to be out for a few games and long term, if he's going to have injury problems as well, if he's going to be a bit injury prone, then you know there's no point drafting these guys if we don't get investment from like it, it we want them to be starters we want obviously you, you don't expect Trey Brown to be a hall of fame player a fifth fifth round or fourth round pick whatever he was but you know if, if he can come in and, and, and take a starting job because it's wide open for him because like I say other than other than DJ Reed you know from what Sidney Jones has, has shown so far even though we were desperate for him to play um but that was because we had the worst starting cornerback in the NFL in Trey Flatwoods um but you know, it, Sidney Jones hasn't done much to warrant a starting spot. He wouldn't say his 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 job in on the team is 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 safe. So if Trey Brown can can come in and just make plays when he's asked to and quietly do a job, you know, by the end of the season, going into next season, I, I don't see why Trey Brown wouldn't be in consideration to to be the long long term starter. You know, opposite DJ Reed. So yeah, um, I was really impressed with 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 what we saw from Trey. Yeah, um, I think Sidney Jones played this game. He did, Wasn't but he, I think he went off injured. Ah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he went off injured. What okay, gave Trey Brown more playing time? Yeah. Um, knowing Pete, he'd probably end up just giving him five five reps next yeah. week. Right. Yeah. So, you know, everyone's hyped up about him because there is dangers. There is dangers that... You've got two, five, ten guys both sides of the field, mm. but the and you've got to think like some bigger receivers might expose them, mm. but in the same side of it, they're exactly the same player. So surely they, they're both aggressive. They attack yeah. the ball and they're not scared to get stuck in. And I think they get away with a lot more at five ten than they if they were at six foot. Yeah. I honestly think the refs give them a bit of leniency because of their height compared to the six foot receivers. Yeah. I think because sometimes DJ Reed, he's like handsy and he's scrappy and he's all over the receiver. And you think mm, if, if he was six foot odd, he would have got a PI for that. Like yeah. he would have definitely, and he gets away Possibly. with it. Yeah. Um, but knowing Pete, he's going to get a bit sweaty because it's like, I don't want to get. Don't we get big deep? Don't we get the explosives? Yeah, uh, you know. But yeah. before we fucking get into him, oh, I can't um, um, no, I like that tandem. I like mm-hmm. that duo. That mm-hmm. would be a really, really nice duo. It would be good to try out um, Reed. Is it? Yeah, it's Reed from the Texans who we picked up. Yeah, John Reed. There's Nigel Warriors there Warrior, as well. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see. I'd like to see them two win, just because it would be nice to have a bit of cover with, for a bit of a taller receiver yeah. in some of them, my bigger matchups. Mm. But I think Trey Brown. I was thinking about this, and I think Trey Brown could be really good if what we saw can be projected onto a bigger scale. Yeah. I think he'd be good against um, the Cardinals and yeah. their receivers. Yeah, because. He'll be able to keep. He'll be able to match speed, mm. and he'll rough him up. Mm. Yeah, it's a good. Like, point. And I think, I think he, he could get a, quite a lot of success out of that uh, yeah. team. 
like yeah. you know playing that team and them kind of receivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll find out. We'll see. Find out on Monday night football and we'll see, see if he's there again. Am I allowed to have my rant yet? Can we can we move on to what what what's um, been what's been bad? No, no. Come on, come on. So um, it's underrated that Bobby didn't get any love for this game because Bobby was bang on yeah, but, all but the time. He was, but Bobby's just Bobby, and he like. It, we know he's we know he's Hall of Fame. Everyone, yeah. everyone overlooks him. Everyone overlooks him. Yeah, I know. Um, but he was like, do you know what? I, I I didn't actually look at the stats because obviously my main man Jordan Brooks. I don't know. Oh yeah. No one. The thing is, I know when it came to pressures and sacks and things like that, we'll get onto it when we get onto the D line. But no mm. one did anything. So I know he yeah. didn't do anything like that. But where did he see seven tackles, seven solos, seven assists? Like he, he, I know there's a lot of people who don't who aren't happy with him at the moment because he's being told to do it. In my opinion, he's being told to do a primary job, what doesn't suit his skill set. Mm. His skill set. Even though I did see it sometimes in this game where he was at the line, he was at the line of scrimmage, ready to blitz, but then dropped back in coverage as a bit of a um, as a bit of a bluff. Yeah. And I'm just like, just you've got you've got no pressures and sacks on this guy. Mm. Just just shooting through the gap. He's shown it in two other games, like Vikings. He was literally milliseconds away from getting cousins, and then he got who was it? Was it Stafford he got? Yeah. When he, Smash through the line. Yeah. It's just like, Pete, just wake up. Start using players where they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, let's, we're moving up. So we've done the cornerbacks, we've done the linebackers, we're going on the D line because I know. Going on the D line. Well, I, I, I know mean, you're uh, waiting. I've got a few things for a few different areas of, the, of, of this game that I want to talk about. And like I say, one of them is the D line because. <sighs> Kerry Hyder is the only one to have registered a tackle for loss on the defensive line on uh, on Sunday night. Daryl Taylor, the only one to get a touch on Ben Roethlisberger, and he and we know what happened to him. And obviously, I'll just put it out there that that's the best thing that came from that game was Daryl Taylor not being as injured as we all thought he was. Oh yeah, uh, because that was a very scary, especially with it. Just it just felt like Shazier all over again at Heinz Field. It just it had horrible horrible connotations to it so that's the best thing to come up with this game um but again he's probably our best defensive line i would say um and he's, he's you know I, I know he's not a rookie but it pretty much feels like he's a rookie um we give carlos dunlap a massive big contract two years 16 odd million whatever in the off season we talked about it a little bit on a, on a podcast from from a, before the start of the season that i was concerned a little bit with the size of that contract and with his age and it's just been a completely non-factor through seven weeks, a, a two-point conversion stop that didn't mean anything, and that's been it from him. Our, our former first-round pick, LJ Collier, can't even get into this lineup, and and it's playing as bad as it is, and he can't even get a look in. Like, what what is going on with that with that part of the team? Because it just limited snaps for Alton Robinson, young talent. Like, what what's going on at that position, man? Or that group, I should say. Ah. I was I was gonna bring him up if you didn't bring him up. Who was that? He had one he had one snap all game, Alton Robinson. Alton Robinson, yeah. And on that one snap, he on that one snap he went offside and never sealed the field again. <laughs> Pete Carroll, Pete, yeah, is a dickhead. He is a dickhead. He did yeah. it with Jordan Brooks, yeah. and he's he's doing it with all the young guys because again, I will preach this to the day I die till I'm proven wrong. Yeah. The the man is the man is coaching scared now. Mm. We've we've talked about it numerous times that he he's he's coaching and running this team like he's just trying to hang on with his fingertips. Mm. And do you know what? Americans will kick back at me. I had a com- good conversation with an American on the walk down to uh, mm. White Hart Lane when I was in London for the NFL. Yeah, and he. Called me stupid when I first said Pete Carroll needs to go. I said Pete Carroll needs to go. He went, oh come on man, come on man. He won us a Super Bowl. He got us back to back Super Bowl. I was like, how long ago, mate? 
And then yeah. I gave him my points of view, and he even turned around and went, you've got a very good point there. Good in America, luck. in America, not a lot of people look at it like that. They just see him yeah. as this person who's got Seattle sports, some mm. sort of silverware, and that's mm. all they look at. Yeah. And he one snap, and he's one of one our snap. most. He, he's one of our most, br- like one of the brightest players yeah. on the line with yeah. Daryl Taylor. One snap after he went offside, yeah. and no one can tell me, oh, it's because of whatever. Because the symmetry is Jordan Brooks mm-hmm. got a weak ass flag for mm-hmm. for unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct. Yeah, and he got benched straight away. Yeah. Alan Robinson goes aside, gets benched straight away. I understand this discipline, but if Pete's always been like that, we would have never seen Michael Bennett on the field. No. The man went offside every play, yeah. but he stayed on the field. Yeah, good point. Man, but then, come on. But then keeping, Carl, like I say, keeping someone like Carlos Dunlap on, who's not doing anything on every single defensive snap, but taking so, Robinson off. So here we are. So... I, I look at people like Jordan Brooks, Jamal Adams, um, Dunlap, and I, I've said Jamal Adams are gritted teeth because I know you might pop off at any minute when I mention it. I'm getting it? ready. I'm getting ready. Um, I've noticed all them three players have struggled since Pete's wrote up this new defensive playbook. Mm. A new defensive playbook was apparently meant to help Jamal Adams perform, and it it shows Carlos Dunlap in the middle of the field in coverage, tracking speed receivers instead of doing his job and chasing the court. What's he doing? What's it, what? Carlos Dunlap at his age shouldn't be doing that. Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson. Bloody hell, get LJ Collier, the young guys, on that job. The amount of times you see Dunlap uh-huh. in coverage. It's uh-huh. like, what are you doing, mate? Like, I'm not an expert. And I know I can rant here and call him stupid or whatnot. Like, but it, it makes no sense to me. It, it makes well, zero sense. Talking talking um, about that, before I get on to Jamal Adams, I, w- I wanted to bring up a, something that I saw from um, the coaching and, like say, talking about dropping players like Dunlap into coverage. Um, I don't know if, I don't know whether everyone noticed it, but the Najee Harris touchdown that put the Steelers 7-0 up at the start of the second quarter, Najee Harris was lined up in the slot five on the five-yard line. So who do we put directly opposite to cover him in the slot from the five? Benson Mayowa. Benson Mayowa. Like, Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> just, just looked at that and just thought, hang on, Najee Harris, Benson Mayowa. Oh, I just thought so. Like, I know Najee Harris was going to be his number one target anyway, but he's looked at that and just thought, are they taking them? Like, whether that was Pete Carroll's decision or whether that was Ken Norton's decision, I don't care. They both want shooting because if whoever's it wasn't like if it was Ken Norton's decision and Pete Carroll seen it and then not called a timeout and done anything to to change that adjustment and and that that assignment, then that's pathetic. And if Ken Norton's called that play and put him on on the G Harris in the slot, and then you say like you've got players like Ryan Neal and even like Ugo Mardi and Marquise Blair who you could put to line up against, you know, a rather quick and agile and a G Harris, but no, let's put a 32, whatever year old Benson Mayowa, who's a defensive end, turn linebacker, whatever, on the like you like I've seen some awful, awful decisions from coaching staff. Like you've all, you've not, got to remember that Ken Norton and yeah. Pete Carroll are the same person. I don't think Ken Norton is real. I think he's a hologram. <laughs> what Pete Carroll shoots up, <laughs> and uh, oh. and uh, uses him like a clone. I think uh, Ken Norton's a clone just to run, just to, as a cover guy. Yeah. I like that. That really baffled me. Whilst we're on it as well, before we leave the D line, the interest, the interesting thing is, right? Yet again, Russell Wilson is covering Pete Carroll's back. Yeah. 
because Russell Wilson gets injured. Mm-hmm. If Russell Wilson doesn't get injured, the focal point's going to turn on the defence. Yeah. Like it has been doing, but the national media eye is going to turn on the defence. Yeah. Russell Wilson gets injured, the national media's eye turns on the offence and yeah. it covers up. I, I, I put it in my notes and like the Rams and this game, mm-hmm. the offence without Russell Wilson is covering up the biggest issue on this team and you chuck Jamal Adams in there. Individuals are covering up the biggest problem in this team, That what is the D-line and the pass rush, what's been terrible for years now. Last year, we're on pace. It might be worse than last year now, at, oh, at the point yeah. we are now with how bad they were. And Pete Carroll comes out and goes, they've had a chat. They've had a chat to what their job is. Um, elite professional sportsmen needed to sit down in a room, apparently, and have a chat about what their job is. Doesn't make sense to me. Baffled me last year. Well, that's, that's just another one of Pete Carroll's fucking smoke screens and yeah. absolute bullshit lies he comes out with because they've just turned up this year exactly the same, if not worse. And the, the only thing I know is Pete Carroll's been off this uh off-season, creating a new defensive scheme and playbook was, uh, I don't know, maybe made the team even worse in the modern-day era of football. Yes. He might have whipped out his book again of how you know, it meant success in the fucking NFL or whatever book he brought out and looked at that and gone, oh, I've got away with what worked in the 1970s. I best go back to that. <laughs> it's what? a joke. Hey, what, what, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like, yeah. John John Snyder's going to have to pull a trade out of his ass to get something moving again. Well, or they're just going to have to revert back to what they did last year and let everyone call Jamal Adams Blitzboy again and let him just go loose. Stop playing your nickel and dimes. Stop hmm. playing nickels and dimes with Ryan Neal on the field so at least you've got the coverage sorted out of the back. Blair, Ryan Neal, like, Amadi, play your nickels and dimes, keep them two at the back, let Jamal Adams just roam. Or like I said on Twitter, it wouldn't be too far from the thing. You've got Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, and a and a fucking guess who the third linebacker is at the mm. moment. Why don't you just look at this team and go, we have got so much talent at safety, Ragan Neal, Blair, Amadi. Why don't we just put Jamal Adams at the linebacker position and mm-hmm. at the Sam? Because the Sam's job is coverage and blitzing and getting on the line, stuff what Jamal loves doing. Mm-hmm. And then just letting the other talent play in the secondary. Yeah. Is that is that an invitation for me to go off on Jamal Adams here? I, 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 am I allowed to do that at this stage of the episode? Because I'm waiting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you loose on that. Bubble. All right. Before this is before the Steelers game. I'm just gonna read out a, a few of his his stats from this season, and then just offer my little two pence on him, and then see what you think. Because I've done it before on previous podcasts, but I'll, I'll I'll do it again. So before the Steelers game, right? This is Jamal Adams this season through five first five weeks of the NFL before the Steelers game. Zero pressures, zero quarterback hits, zero quarterback hurries, zero sacks. Zero interceptions, one pass defended, two tackles for loss, 13 receptions allowed on 19 targets, 269 yards allowed, and a 146.3 quarterback rating allowed when targeted. Right? So that's that's before the Steelers game. This is a guy who's, who we've given a four-year, $70 million extension that was two first-round picks, a starting safety who's playing better than Jamal Adams in Bradley McDougal going the other way, and another fourth-round pick as well. So... And, and, and people can say to me, oh, well, he played well in the rest of the game and he's not as bad. And, and, but the way I've seen it now is, and I'm not just talking about his drop pick six from the other night that would have won the game. Like That was just, like I said, I, I, I spoke to you, it makes Shaquem Griffin look like a complete sellout because this man has no hands. Like, he just has no hands. Um, but, that's, but that's not the main crux of it. The crux of it is... And, and and the problem started when they didn't pay Jamal Adams when they traded for him. They should have paid him then 
before Jamal Adams goes and has quite rightly so a, a, a well a record setting season last year. I can see you just relaxing with your arms. He, he had a, he quite rightly had his record breaking season for sacks last year and everything, and that's fine. But then he turned on the end of that season and he and he used his sack production to say, right, I'm the best. I'm a, I'm literally an NFL record. I want to be paid now top top money. So we did. We 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 caved. We gave him it. He wanted that money. We gave him it. But now, what's every NFL team done? It, it's like when a rookie, if a rookie pass rusher, if say if say if Alton Robinson starts every game, whatever this season, or say Daryl Taylor gets 10, 12, 13 sacks in their rookie season, you've seen it with Chase Young. Chase Young, a monster in his rookie season. So far this season, as Ch- as Chase Young got one sack, maybe like teams adjust and 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 put their best linemen and 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 make adjustments and figure people out. Jamal Adams, it, nobody expected him to be as good at, as, as blitzing and rushing the quarterback as he was last season. He comes into this season, every every single offensive and, and defensive coach in the NFL knows how to handle Like They, like in, they, they know that Jamal Adams wants to blitz. So they, they, they put packages together. And, and you've seen this season, Jamal, every time Jamal Adams is blitzed, and those stats that I read out prove, he, he hasn't got anywhere near the quarterback. They've, they've stuffed him every single time. So now, if you take that away from Jamal, say we've, because it practically has been taken away from his game now, his blitzing ability and his ability to get to the quarterback. So now Jamal Adams doesn't have that in his game. All we've got now, and all we've traded for now, is a pretty bang average coverage safety, in my opinion, for four year, seventy million dollars for two first round picks. Because because what what does Jamal Adams do? You're not telling me if if we just traded Jamal say if we just tra- traded for Jamal Adams without his blitz and ability, we knew that wasn't a part of his game. He was just a coverage safety. Your average coverage safety didn't blitz the quarterback or anything. Would you have been comfortable giving him four year, seventy odd million and two first? Like absolutely not. And, and so far through seven weeks, we we he, blitzing and, and getting to the quarterback hasn't been a part of his game. So as far as I'm concerned, that player's gone. That part of Jamal Adams is gone. That that was the entire reason why Jamal Adams wanted his record-breaking money, and that's the only reason why he had a leg to stand on, because he had all them sacks. And he said, "Right, I want seventy million now. Like, look at me. Like, I can do I can do something that every other starting safety in the NFL can't do." But now he can't do it because teams have figured him out, and now we've just got a fairly average safety who drops absolute gifts of interceptions. Like how how we saw it against the Jets last season, like it just drops in. Like that is a, that wins the game. That wins the game, and I don't care a blitzing. I don't care what. I, I would expect every single starting NFL safety to to make a play. You, you wanted that money. You asked to be paid that money. We paid you it. No other NFL team would have, in their right minds would have paid him that money. Yet we pay him it because we had to, because we didn't pay him when we would have, when we should have done, and that money would have been halved. The contract cost would have been halved if we had just paid him when we when we traded for him. And now, and now look, we, 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 he can't blitz. He can't do what we traded for and what we paid him for. So, so what? Like, what? What's the point? What, what's the point? Do you know? Do you know the funny thing is, uh, Quandary Diggs is gonna is got to have a new contract next year, or else he's gone. Brilliant. And you know for a fact because they sold the shit to uh, Jamal, they're keeping him. Yeah. And they'll let they'll let Diggs go exactly because they've got Who's... Blair, Neil. Exactly. And Diggs is a is a if you're talking just coverage wise, is a far better safety than Jamal Adams. We, we don't talk about Diggs enough on this podcast. Like we overlook him. It's like Bobby. We just yeah. expect him. We take him for granted. Yeah. And it's bad of us, and we should apologise to him because yeah. we don't talk about him enough for yeah. the for what he is to this team. But I totally agree, man. Like, really? Do you do you genuinely agree? Because I, I didn't think you would. No, I do. Like, oh, good. I, I, you can't. The thing is, at the moment, you can't argue. Like I said. Like people saying putting him at linebacker, it makes mm. sense to me. Like because at this moment in time, he is doing nothing. No. I watched them highlights, and I'm not saying anyone to speak about it, but from the angle I saw, um, uh, Daryl Taylor 
mm. was jumping high pointing to grab the football. And this on the highlights, this game to me showed how desperate Jamal Adams is getting, how desperate he is for his own personal accolades. Because mm-hmm. he Daryl Taylor jumped up to literally it, the ball was dropping in his hands and Jamal yeah. wiped him out. Yeah. Trying so hard to get the ball himself. Mm-hmm. To get to, so so single minded to try and get the pick himself. Exactly. He went yeah. and just bulldozed Daryl Taylor. And the thing is, Daryl Taylor turned around and looked at him straight away. Like he could see, mm-hmm. like in his actions, he was like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" Mm-hmm. Like I literally, it's on the goal line. I had that ball in my hands. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? And then there's other times, like on the tackle, he bulldozed one of his own players out of the way. And it's just, it's just all like single-minded me, well, me, me. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Attitude. He, he hasn't made a play, and like you say, he's now he's now desperate to make one because he's called praise. He's got his nickname. He's this big character, big swagger, big guy. Obviously, like you say, big contract. He's he's got the accolade now. He he knows he should be. He's paid like the best. He should be the best. He wants to be the best. But have you not noticed though? It's just weird, right? That. Have you not noticed that he got the big contract, Dunlop got the big contract, and really, if you look at the defense, them two are the most disappointing players. Yeah. Maybe the contracts have made them the most disappointing players, but they are the most disappointing players. And it's funny, right? Because this new defensive playbook scheme or whatever apparently Pete created in the off season was meant to benefit Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. and that just shows how out of touch Pete is with mm-hmm. the current modern NFL way of playing that he can't utilise because mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong like everyone's jabbing on him he brings he brings all that pressure on himself with his bravado and things yeah. like that yeah but in his defence I agree when people say he's not being used correctly no I don't agree you, you, you've got a modern day weapon in a prehistoric mm. coach defence mm. So essentially, it's like us going back to the caveman days, yeah, and trying to make it work. Yeah, we rip limb from limb straight away because they look at us and go, "Please." Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, I'm I'm not totally shitting on 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 Adams because, like, say, like I don't think he is being used correctly because my point is, if we're just going to use him as a as a general coverage box safety who can't blitz the quarterback anymore because teams and offensive linemen have figured him out, like. It, like you say, it, it, it then falls on the coaching staff to say, right, we've paid all this money for this guy, we've given up everything, we need to find a way to make him effective. And if we can't, and, and if they're just not willing to, or they, or they can't find ways to, to come up with anything, then we need some new ideas. We need some new coaches who come in with some new ideas to say, right, Jamal, we're going to put you in this situation. Or if we see this kind of look on the offence, we're going to put you in. We think that just... Like I said, that, that, that's why it's not all on Adams. Like you say, it's not because he isn't being used correctly, but at this moment in time, they're just throwing him out there. Same every week. They blitz him on every on pretty much every third down. Bring or line him up like he's going to blitz, fake, drop him back into coverage, and he can't. And, he, and he's not a particularly good coverage safety. And and that that like I say, I just think we've traded for a guy who doesn't exist anymore now. And 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 now we're being left to deal with with the consequences of overpaying a yeah, pretty but, average safety. Would you say that's down to him or down to the coaching? I, I would. The coach. The, we didn't do a podcast for the Rams. We've both been mm. quite busy. Mm. Um, but from the Rams game into this game, the big talking point is the coaching is coming under under the spotlight now. Yeah, it is. And I don't see this season getting any better. I honestly... Mm. Like, if Jameis Winston... So, I think the Saints D is going to destroy and kill Mm. Um, Gino but I'll get on saying that I'll leave that till after we finish talking about the defence I think if Jameis Winston turns up and is on it Mm. he'll just just destroy this defence because Mm -hmm. it's it's this Pete, Pete apparently thinks that the defense is showing improvements because 
they only gave up two explosives in this game against a guy who can't throw an explosive anymore to save his life, let alone throw a short pass. Well, that's that's good, Pete. Well done. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're all stupid yet again, like last year, all the bullshit you came out of in the media. We're, we're just all dumbasses. We listen to everything you say. Like, come on, man. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. he's been very high, like, he's been highly publicised how much that man has fallen off the cliff. Mm-hmm. But then, you apparently your defence has got better because it didn't give up, it only gave up two explosive plays. He gave up two explosive plays against Ben Roethlisberger who had no arms left. He has, yeah. he has zero arms left and just checks it down to Najee Harris. Yeah. Every single time. If, yeah. if Deontay Johnson's not open, he checks it down. Johnson checks it down. You mm-hmm. let two explosive plays from an old man who who has no arms left. How can that be a positive? And then, oh, I don't want to get beat deep by the explosive. Well, sorry, but you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So if you did get beat by an explosive, means your offense go on the field quicker, meaning that you just let Russell do what he does and mm-hmm. then you get points yourself. And mm-hmm. then you correct it in game. Mm-hmm. And that, that word adjustments, what that I think he just took out the vocabulary and just forgot about. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, we're giving an explosive up. Sick. Right, let's get to the sideline. Let's figure it out. Russ, you go and get seven points. I'll leave you to it. Don't worry, I'm not going to intervene with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to sort the D out because apparently I'm not defensive mastermind coach no we let the 10 to 15 yards a short intermediate goal and I'm pretty sure from my knowledge of watching the NFL we got beat three of the four times because of the short intermediate game teams who just repetitively drain the clock by beating us downfield for five to 15 yards a time, drained our defence, and then the offence comes on, and because they've got to play this special style of Pete Carroll football, they whiff, and then the defence comes back on again and gets battered by the shorts intermediate mm-hmm. just because he doesn't want to get beat deep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mate, when your defence has been twatted for fucking six minutes in one drive or more, Maybe it's worth just getting beat by an explosive so they're off the field quicker. Exactly, yeah. Like, and all that says to like, me is that he doesn't have any confidence in his offence to, to be on. Like, it's like it's almost like he doesn't want the offence to be on the field for as long as possible. Like, just, you know what I mean? I, he's always stated ever since I've watched him in 2011, uh, defence wins yeah. games, defence yeah. wins championships because he's yeah. a defensive guy. He yeah. doesn't want to see the offence winning games for this team. That's why he doesn't let Russ go out to massive leads. He stated it multiple times, I don't like big leads. Mm-hmm. It, it breeds complacency. It breeds, it breeds that. Well, it doesn't when Bill Belichick and Tom Brady just kill teams. Yeah. 20 points up, we're going to go 40 points up. We're yeah. going to destroy them. The Bills this year, the fucking Bengals, mm-hmm. man. The Bengals just destroyed the, the Lions. There was yeah. no mercy. There was no mercy. They just went out and they just killed them. Rams? Like, the Rams against the Giants. Yeah. No mercy. It wasn't no sportsman sportsman job the year. It yeah. wasn't no fucking, we scored 30, let's stop. No, no, we're going to kill them. Yeah. But Pete don't do that because Pete doesn't, doesn't want the offence he doesn't want, essentially, he doesn't want this team to turn into Russ's team, even though it's Russ's team anyway. Yeah. Essentially, that's how that's how, what it all boils down to. All my frustration and all my rants about Pete Carroll, that's what it boils down to. Like we said in the offseason, it is a power struggle between him and Russ. Russ is bigger than him now. Oh, yeah. It's like our football, Fergie and David Beckham. Fergie shipped David Beckham out because he got too big for him. Yeah. Ross is too big for Pete and he's trying to keep him on a leash because he doesn't want it to turn into Russ's. A bit like Belichick did with Brady, like it's been publicised that that's why Brady wanted out. He wanted control of his own team because he deserves it and he's shown that he can do it. 
And unfortunately, down this rant, rant rabbit hole I've just gone down, <laughs> unfortunately, that's what's going to happen to us at the end of this season. If someone doesn't see the light and get rid of Pete, yeah. say thank you for everything you've done. Can't thank you enough. But we're yeah. going to ride with Ross now because he's the one who's saved your ass multiple seasons. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to sort of bring up from, from me that I had written down and, and it, your point there feeded nicely onto it is that I've got to the point from this season now where all I want from this season is to by the end of it and going into the off season and the draft for next season I just want us to have figured out what type of team we want to be because at the minute like when when our offense I'm mainly talking about the offense when our offense takes the field I don't know whether we're running it or, or with passing it first. I don't know what we're doing. When I watch the Bills, when I watch the Bucks, when I watch the Chiefs, even though you can say the Chiefs and like say haven't been as good this year, they're, they're a pass first team most of the time. The the the, the Bucks with Tom Brady pass first normally. You know, and, and that's what we used to be when when we won the Super Bowl. Now Super Bowl era, it was a run first, powerful running team that you know with Marshawn Lynch and and, and Turbin and guys like that. But then. You know, if it wasn't working on the, on the third down, if you want to go a bit of play action, you've got guys like Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, Jimmy Graham. Like, but you knew everyone knew what the Seahawks were the offense. It, you, you, but you just couldn't stop them. It, you couldn't stop Marsh on it. They were just a powerful running team. Now, I, I there is absolutely no identity to to the Seahawks offense at all. So, all I want because if we go into the start and next whatever happens at the end of this offseason, who like player wise, who's here, or who who isn't. Nothing's going to like to be a successful Super Bowl team. In my opinion, you have to have an identity on both sides. You have to know what you're doing. It has to be a plan. Like there's no plan. There's live, no live and die by it. Exactly. Live and die by it. So the Chiefs all... lived and died by their philosophy in that Super Bowl against the Bucks. Yeah. They were never going to change, and they lived and died by it. Yeah. And um, just to jump in, like mm. you are completely right because, and again, like I just said. It's the power struggle. Yeah. Pete Carroll's best player on offense is Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. But he is determined to still do the run first Marshall Lynch style. Yeah. The issue is Marshall Lynch is one in a generation type. Derek Henry is the new generation yeah. running back. If we had Derek Henry, we'd be fucking scary as a team. Yeah. If we had a Derek Henry esque running back, mm. we'd be scary. Like Jonathan Taylor, I like I wasn't a big fan of his, but what he's been doing recently, if he stated he'd like to come to Seattle, Colts got him before he could drop to Seattle and I really think they were gonna take him. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you I think you'd see a totally different team right now. Unfortunately mm. Chris Carson won't be here, but it oh, fucking hell man, he's like love Chris Carson, but he's injury prone to fuck. Like loyalties in this, this is going to roll into my, my my last thing. What I want to talk about mm. loyalties and things like that. Sometimes I have to go out the window when we're in a situation we are now as a team. Like mm. he's banged up all the time. Yeah, again, another guy who's just got the contract, mm-hmm. and he's just banged up, banged up yet again, banged up yet again. I don't think he's had a healthy season since he's come in the league, and no, it's shit because everyone loves Chris Carson. Everyone loves how he runs, his run style, this, that, and the other. But that isn't going to win championships. Leaning on Chris Carson, like Pete Carroll wants to, isn't going to win championships. His best player is Russell Wilson. Yeah. Just let the offense go, work together, and just let Russ, just let Russ with Aldrin run the offense because one thing I keep seeing is Aldrin's. Waldron's not the guy. Waldron's not the guy. Well, I watched I watched the Steelers. Are you really going to start doing some, like, trickery with Geno Smith? If anyone can realise what I'm getting onto now, I'm building up to my conversation on Geno Smith. <laughs> but you're not going to do that with Geno Smith because he's not good. Mm. He's not good enough. He can't do it. But then... What I saw is these are the plays that have been happening for seasons before Waldron came in. So these aren't, don't blame Waldron for these plays. Don't like, 
last year everyone was saying about how Pete's got his hands in the offense too much. Pete's got his hands, but now apparently Waldron's the one who's making shitty play calls. Mm. Well, one minute last season you were saying Pete was too much in the offense, and we're seeing the exact mimic of last year where mm. Waldron was still at the Rams, as far as I was aware. Mm. And they're exact same plays. So who who's the common denominator here? Like seriously, who's the common denominator? Mm. We've seen sample sizes of what Waldron really wants to do with this offense. In my personal opinion, yeah. everyone will say I'm very biased because of my hatred, like towards Pete and what he's become. Like I state, I don't hate the person. I just hate what he's become. I yeah. hate where he's bring, taking this team. Yeah. And I only say that because I'm passionate about the team. And if yeah. people want to disagree with that. And then just go, you won us a championship. Well, you either don't like, you don't care about the team enough, or you, you're just not opening your eyes enough to what's yeah. truly going on at the moment. Yeah. Well, leads me on to loyalties. Geno Smith. Personally, I don't know where this weird loyalty is with Geno Smith. He's been on the team for multiple years. I get that. Not really played, and he's not good enough. Is the simple is a simple statement here. He mm. is not good enough. He's not good enough. Don't blame Waldron when he's got a below average quarterback to deal with. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't blame Waldron for that. Geno Smith got fucking destroyed, mm. and then when he decides to run with the football, is he's not got the awareness, like. He was trying to do Russell S like Russell Wilson S things with mm. no awareness whatsoever. Mm. Russ does that run. He's got hundred percent protection on the football and he knows TJ Watts there. People push back at me and go, but TJ Watts swung around the outside and kind of blindsided him. But that's the difference. You've got to feel that pressure, haven't you? G- Geno Smith isn't that type of quarterback. Don't try and do that. Yeah. Stick to what you're good at. The play's broke down. Shit's getting a bit hectic. Throw it out. Mm-hmm. What was it? First down, second down? Yeah. When he, yeah. You still got a couple more downs. Just yeah. throw it out of bounds. Reset and go again. But no, no. He wants to try and be a hero. And he, he, he wants to try and clutch the moment. I understand what he's trying to do. But he, he's not good enough. I mean, there was a play that I can't remember the quarter, but it was like third and one. And instead of just either quarterback sneaking it or just handing it off and running the ball with Alex Collins, who, by the way, until sort of the back end of the game, the Steelers defence couldn't figure out Alex Collins and he goes for over 100 yards. So instead of just either handing the ball off to him and going and getting the yard or just doing a quarterback sneak, we he drops back to pass, tries to go for Gerald Everett across the middle on this little slant route. Like... What like what like why why are you throwing the ball in that situation? It's third and one. I think it was in the second. I think it was in the second half, coming up to the late of the game. Like what like like I say I don't know what I don't know whether that's completely Shane Waldron's call. I don't know whether that's Geno Smith. But even after the play started, you've got to recognise that if you drop back and and your guy's not there, instead of just if Russell Wilson was in that situation and, and it was the third and one and he drops back to pass and he tries to go for his guy, but he can see that he's not open. Russell Wilson, like you said, that, that difference is he, he's aware of that and he takes off and he runs it with himself or he does a little check down and he goes and gets the first down. Whereas Geno Smith, it's like he's got that target and it's like he's been told every is, is your number one target you throw it to him like whatever happens like don't improvise don't like just do just be a robot and do that and if it doesn't work we come off like I, I just didn't get that at all and like you say it's we're trying to do things with Geno Smith that he can't do that aren't in his skill set and it's like it, oh, well then we wonder why it doesn't work it's blind loyalty as well yeah like don't get me wrong don't get me wrong though if Russ is like you're hearing all these things like Russ can bend his finger 70% and he's only meant to bend his finger, no, he's meant to bend his finger by only 10 degrees, but he can do it by 70 and mm. all that shit. Um, so yeah, Geno Smith knows the playbook better than anyone else. You, it's you're in a you are in a catch 22, like mm. you could get that Ecklingen if you really wanted to because he's been here enough yeah. to know the playbook, like. Gino knows the playbook, but 
in the same regard, it's just like he's not he's not good enough. And like we do compare him to Russell Wilson in some things, he's not on the level, so it's a bit of a, mm. a disservice to even like compare them. But mm. he he just he isn't. And like you gotta love his heart, you gotta love his like mm-hmm. thing, how gutted he was, his passion and things. Yeah. Like I wouldn't take that away from him, but all these people are just like finding reasons to bring a positive out of him. Mm. It, it, it's just, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just blind like, loyalty a bit like, mm. a bit like Pete Carroll. It's just blind loyalty. Yeah. It's like, you say like, it's like even like going back to the Shaquem Griffin thing. It's like, and these little stories and then with certain players, they come with stories and like Geno Smith, he hasn't played in a long time. He's getting to suit up on Sundays again with his team. Like that's great for him. Sure for him. And like I say, I, I respect that he comes out after Twitter and says, look, they, these two losses have been on me and everything. Shows leadership, and I, I like all that. But at the end of the day, I'm not a fan. Well, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of stories. I'm not a fan of players, but I want to see my team winning. Like, it, it's, yeah. I, I would rather see us be smart with Juno Smith and do things and, 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 and help him to win and help him to play well and help the team to win, like... I like Geno Smith. I like his personality. I like and say I like that and everything like that. But at the end of the day, I I, I want my team to win. And and at the end of the day, as 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 brutal as it is, a backup quarterback is is about as replaceable as you can get. I'm not I'm not saying just go out and replace Geno, but it just it's just gone to show. Everyone said, "What would it be like without Russell Wilson?" Yeah. Well, exactly. And like I said, I was going to bring it back up. I've just remembered now that Saints defense is going to destroy him. They're going to kill him. They, they, they genuinely are going to destroy him against this O line. Yeah, I, I think if this O line doesn't step up and protect mm. him, I, I think they could break him, like mentally break him. Because that's the thing with Geno Smith. He's 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 never really been a good quarterback. No, he never has been. Like he. He, he never has. He's like, for me, he's like the Teddy Bridgewater's, Tyrod Taylor's. He's in that cluster of quarterback who everyone likes to overly hype up. And then after three or four games, it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot that it's not good. Teddy yeah. Bridgewater's just, Teddy Bridgewater's reverting back to time. It's not that good. For uh, the Broncos. And yeah. Geno Smith is in that group. Yeah, he is. And too. like you said, like, it's not a slate on the person. It's I want my team to win. Yeah. I want my team to win, mm-hmm. and we're not going to win with him. No. no if way. I wake up on Tuesday morning to go to work and watch the last half of that, like last like two quarters of that game, and we're any it's like if we're in it, mm. it just means that Jameis Winston's had one of his off days. I'd look at the stat sheet and it would say Jameis Winston, 100 yards, Alvin Kamara, loads of running attempts. Yeah. Like, because that if Saints defence turns up, it's going to get nasty. Like, oh, it, it is. And especially with, especially with Geno's limited yeah. throwing capabilities. Yeah. Because who's their, who's their linebacker? Who's their main... Oh, what's his name? Let um, um Lat um, Cornerback. No, he's like, is he their linebacker? Always causes rust fits whenever he plays. When I've Googled Saints linebackers, it's coming up. Quan Alexander, Pete Verner, Demario Davis, Caden Ellis. Any of them? The first three of them. Are all good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it might be Quan Alexander, and then it's Lattimore. I, I bought Lattimore as a linebacker, but Lattimore's yeah. the corner. Yeah. But all you need is put Lattimore and DK. Pretty much. If Lattimore shuts DK down, then the offense is fucked. Yeah, because Lockett has been well, an absolute Jill, non-factor Jill, recently. Gerald Gerald Everett will have a massive game because all Geno Smith is targeting mm. his big bodies. Yeah, because he's just not—he's just not like—he's not got a good variety of throwing. He just mm. hasn't. And that's what I mean. Like that's the frustrating thing. Like Gerald Everett, like he's the exact. If you want to help the team win, if you want to help Gino win and play well, get 
the ball into Gerald Everett's hand. Like that player from Gerald Everett, every other tight end and, and yeah. pretty much every other wide receiver would have been stopped dead at that 20-odd yard line where the two Steelers were there. And like he, he fucking shakes them off, shakes another guy off and then gets down. Like how much more things does he need to put on tape? How much more evidence do these Seahawks coach and, 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 and offensive people need to see that when Gerald Everett gets his ball in the hand, his ball in the hands, that his when Gerald Everett gets the ball, is what I'm trying to say. Gets his balls in his hands. Gets his balls in his hands. <laughs> He's probably quite effective with that as well. But when Gerald Everett gets the ball, he makes things happen. Like it, you can see, he's, he's the best tight end, in my opinion, in yards after the catch. I don't see any. He's a bit of a, like I say, he's a bit like Kyle Pitts. I'm not saying he's on Kyle Pitts' potential future level, but in terms of, he's a tight end who could. It quite easily looks like a receiver. Like just get like help Geno Smith out. Get it to Corey Parkinson. Get it to um, Will Disley. Get it to Gerald Everett. Get it to DK consistently. Help and it's Collins is sure if he's healthy. Collins is sure that he can run the ball quite effectively. Keep, keep feeding Collins and don't just go away from that. Like help him out a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, uh, just a quick one in that. People who try and blame Shane Waldron with how his offense is at the moment. Um, all I heard in the off season was the thing what Shane Waldron is going to bring is uh, loads of tight, lots of tight end play. The reason why they got Gerald Everett because he's like a wide receiving tight end. Mm. All the tight end seems to be doing is blocking. Yeah. What, what, what? Pretty sure that's what's been happening for the last couple of seasons. That is the biggest indicator. What people need to realise and look at is apparently Sharon Waldron loves using tight ends, but they haven't used tight ends at all. No. Like, haven't used them at all. So mm-hmm. we've got a new guy who likes using tight ends, but what tight ends haven't been used at all. So who's actually recalling the shots here? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's a shower of shit. Because it, it? It, it does, it doesn't make say it doesn't make any sense for Shane Waldron to come in, and he was the one who banged the drum for us. Like, if I'm coming, I'm bringing Gerald Everett with me because I know what he can do in my offense. So it would make absolutely zero sense for it to be Shane Waldron who isn't wanting to get the ball to Gerald Everett, in my opinion. So, so like you say, who is it then? <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling. I'm chuckling because we kept. We, we kept our um, frustrations in quite well for the whole podcast. And I was thinking, this has gone quite well. This We've not gone off on a tangent and we've literally just ended this with a massive tangent. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? Because we've got the live coming up at the end of this week. Yes. Um, where we can get proper into the nitty gritty of these kind of things. Yes. We'll uh, keep the podcast, um, try and keep it, Unbiased, is that the right word? Yeah, sort of unbiased. like. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep it unbiased, neutral. We'll keep it neutral keep it and neutral. just talk about the facts what we seen. And uh, I think we did quite well, to be honest. I think we did quite well. I think, yeah, um, for us, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to finish on a bit more mm-hmm. of a lighting note. Russell Wilson, man. Are you talking about the pregame? Run through two hundred yeah. plays. Image. I listened to fantasy football podcasts, and all they did was just laugh at Russell Wilson constantly for doing that. They like, mm. they were like, the guy is a menace. Like, <laughs> you, if he knocks on your door at night, you don't open the door because no. he's probably going to come and kill you. I've <laughs> never known anyone who is injured to injured. one turn yeah. up and then two warm up. That's how much he's a psychopath. <laughs> Oh, he's a psychopath. Like, he's a psychopath. But that but do, shows do you know how much I want him to be. But you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah that's it's the philosophy. It's his yeah. mindset. And people can winner. rip him all they want, but do you know what? None of them words are even touching because it's his mindset. It's his winning yeah. mindset because he yeah. knows he knows he might not be in a favourable situation right now, like through the off season and this. He knows, but he just needs to keep focused, keeping the right mindset. And eventually, it will play itself out either in Seattle or somewhere else. Yeah, you you will find no other quarterback in the NFL 
that is as dedicated to like and, and that's the thing like russell wilson has said like he doesn't owe anything to the clc orcs anymore like he's he's given everything that they've ever invested in back tenfold like he doesn't owe this seahawks organization anything and he's injured it's his it's his first chance in his seahawks career that he's ever got to kick his feet up on the sofa yeah (laughs) kick his feet up on the sofa with ciara and his 10 kids and watch red zone and and but yet no he comes with a team he's out there he's suited and booted with his like one but like how could you not look at that guy and say that's not the guy i want and when dk did that fumble yeah. And uh, Swain picked it up and Swain kind of like stayed on the floor. Russ nearly like, he was on the field and he <laughs> picked him up. I was like, get off. <laughs> That's just his passion, man. That's like, oh, brilliant. I love it. Like, knock him all you want, say what you want about him. But that, that is, that I, that's what I want my quarterback to be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that that is this is a warning to the to the front office. You you dare get rid of that man over Pete I swear, I swear. The Wheat Seahawks podcast boys are going to come over. Oh, I tell you what, the flights will be booked. We will be coming. Oh, dear. I'd like to say we'll, we'll have to change our name to the the We Talk Tangents podcast at, at the end of this bloody season, like but. Um, <laughs> But hey, that, that's 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 becoming our. It's what we're known for. It's why everyone, I'm sure, everyone loves listening to us because we go off on these little tangents and these rants. It's we're box office. They can so. always come. They can always come and join us on the live and join us down yeah. the Yeah, like say more. We'll just call it the Hawks Hole. The Hawks Hole. Hey, that's quite good. That I like that. <laughs> I'll jot that one down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. Keep keep an eye on our social media and everything um, as as the weeks go on. We'll be uh, we're putting everything out on social media in terms of when you can join our lives and when they'll be going out and everything. Um, and like I say, um, there's a there's a way I can put a reminder on Spotify. I can put a reminder on the podcast right. so you get a notification when we go live. I just need right. to figure out how to do it, but I'm going to do it this week. So for any of our listeners who either don't know how to get on green room or maybe like forget the time or whatever. Um, mm. If you follow us on Spotify, it will notify you when we start on green room and it takes you straight to green room. So it kind of does it all for you. Brilliant. So I'm going to do that this week. Yeah, definitely going to do that at some point this week. Um, probably Friday most lately, but you know, at some point at the end of this week, we'll, we'll let you know. So like I say, stay tuned and everything, but uh, no, like I say, I, th- I think we've done well tonight, Pez. Um, we could have very easily gone much further off on, on certain people. And like I say, even with my little Jamal Adams run, I tried to not go too, too far. Um, but yeah, no, we've done well. We've kept it to a reasonable time, everyone. So I hope you've, uh, hope you've enjoyed listening and uh I, I, I hope we can have a, a, a more positive podcast next week, but I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, does it? Um, but we'll be here to, to provide the rants and the laughs and everything. So uh, when win, lose, or or tie, even though that never really happens, we'll uh, we'll be here to provide some form of uh, entertainment. So no, thanks again, Pez, yeah. mate. I've uh, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Brilliant. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and go Hawks. See you later.